At the University of California Davis campus in 2011, a group of student activists had occupied the university quadrangle for several weeks. The students were part of the global Occupy movement that began with Occupy Wall Street. A response to the global financial crisis, and particularly the way the crisis was resolved by political and corporate elites, with no consequence to the financial actors who had caused it. The cost of the global financial crisis was borne by ordinary people, while Wall Street continued its business-as-usual model of global capitalism. The Occupy movement began with ordinary people and activists trying to occupy Wall Street. The catch cry of the movement was, we are the 99%, the 99% who are excluded from most of the world's resources. For example, people who had lost their homes, while the bankers on Wall Street who had lost nothing, sought to occupy the home of the bankers, Wall Street. These movements sprang up all over the world, using the Wall Street protest as a model or template. Groups would occupy commercial or public spaces, symbolically reclaiming them for the vast majority of people in a community or society, who they argued were excluded by relations of power and capital. At the University of California, Davis, Occupy students were camped out in the campus quadrangle. They were protesting against a plan by the university to raise tuition fees. They wanted education to be accessible to the 99%. If you're at UQ, imagine students camped out in the Great Court for several weeks, refusing to move on. The Chancellor eventually ordered campus police to move the students on. The police asked students to move, and they refused. The campus police then moved in using force, with one cop spraying students who were sitting on the ground arm in arm with pepper spray. The cop's actions had all sorts of repercussions. This event, and the way it was represented, helped to illustrate how events in the world are made meaningful using media, and how meanings spill out and circulate in unexpected ways. But also... This event helps us to observe how powerful groups try to control and organise how social events are made sense of. Groups with less power try to resist or unsettle the attempt of powerful groups to produce representations and common understandings of the event. Local reporters and students film the incident where the cop pepper sprays the students sitting, apparently peacefully on the ground, arm in arm, engaged in a form of peaceful civil disobedience. They place it on YouTube, where it begins to gain intense media coverage. This puts the Chancellor under pressure to explain the university's actions. She calls a press conference, and we can assume, acting on advice from university public relations professionals, carefully invites just selected media organisations to attend. We can understand what the Chancellor is attempting to do. She's trying to calm things down by only inviting in selected media organisations to tell them her side of the story and to get them to report her version of events. She is trying to frame and control how the event is represented in an effort to protect the university's and her own reputation. Students find out and surround the building where the press conference is taking place. They are upset they are excluded. They want events to be told from their perspective. Here, there is a power struggle unfolding about how an event is represented, and that power struggle involves the use of media technologies, 
control of institutional spaces like buildings and the campus, and relationships with other powerful groups like media organisations. The Chancellor is using her institutional resources to attempt to control how the event is represented. The students are trying to garner their tactical resources to press back with their representation of events. The students want to tell their side of the story. The students proved to be canny at bypassing the mainstream media by going direct to social media platforms. The Chancellor is unable to control this media-making activity. If you search on YouTube for pepper spray and UC Davis, pepper spray cop and UC Davis peaceful shaming, you'll find both raw video and news stories about this event produced by students on their smartphones. The video of the cop pepper spraying the students suggests that his act is a violent one. He uses coercive force. He is an authority figure licensed to use force against the students by the university and by extension, the state. But the act is also clearly a symbolic one, a process of representation. The cop is saying to other students on campus, if you want to sit in the quadrangle and protest, you'll get pepper sprayed. The students clearly understand it as a symbolic act. You can hear them chanting, the whole world is watching, as they are filming it. They understand that they can take the cops' use of force and use it to represent their claims about excessive use of power. They perhaps believe if they share the video of it, people will witness this and won't approve what they see when they see it represented online. By representing the cops' actions as an excessive use of force, the students are able to connect the incident to a bigger claim of their protest about the entrenched privilege and abuse of power the Occupy movement protests take aim at. Here, the students have taken a violent act and turned it into a representation of the forms of excessive power and violence they are protesting against. They put these representations on the internet, where they become part of the worldwide representations of the Occupy movement. In doing so, the students make a claim to how the event should be represented, and the Chancellor needs to respond. If the representational tools the students have access to are smartphones and YouTube, then the Chancellor has access to formal media institutions and their rituals. She calls a press conference and invites journalists. Inside, Katehi and UC Davis Police Chief Annette Spakuza both gave statements and answered questions from a small group of journalists. Um, I, I have uh, seen some of those um, requests uh, on the blogs primarily. I don't um, believe that it's appropriate for me to resign at this point. Really, I do not think that I have um, violated uh, the policy. The Chancellor tries to take control of the story again. She tries to explain to establishment media, the professional meaning makers, her side of the story. Yes, it looks bad, but this is why my actions were appropriate and legitimate. The students have been there for several weeks. They were preventing others from fair and safe use of the campus. We were reasonable and they refused to move on. They were disrupting others' fair enjoyment of the campus and so on. The Chancellor tries to regain control of the story and tell the media that the student's story is wrong. She attempts to reframe how the event is represented. 
But she makes a tactical error by locking the students out of the press conference. Because what the students do is use this as an opportunity to produce another provocative representation. However, it soon became apparent that Katehi refused to leave the building and was afraid that some protesters may turn violent. It's absolutely ridiculous that um, the chancellor of a public institution can't come out to address her own students. Um, and it just shows that she, she knows that she messed up yesterday. They surround the building, and the chancellor is stuck in there for several hours. Then something quite representationally powerful happens. Student leaders see their exclusion as an opportunity to extend their representation of the event. Following the press conference, the Chancellor leaves and walks to her car through a silent guard as students line the walkway and observe her in silence. They bear witness to her power to silence them. Did you feel at all trapped inside Chancellor's? The video is provocative. The silence of the students indicates their exclusion, but their collective capacity to bear witness represents their righteousness. They could have surrounded the building and behaved in a violent way, but instead they make a symbolically astute move. The Chancellor silenced them by excluding them, they represent their exclusion by bearing silent witness. In doing so, they create a much more powerful representation than the Chancellor is able to via her press conference. Where the Chancellor attempts to use institutional power to control how the story is told, the students use tactical manoeuvres to respond with their own representation of events. Here we have a real-world interaction between students, cops, Chancellor and the media. Each tries to use whatever resources and power they have to affect how an event is represented, how the story of that event is told to others. The Chancellor has access to institutional resources and the students access to their everyday technologies and tactical networks. The students' apparatus is social media accounts, smartphones and so on. Something else interesting happens as well. The cop takes on a symbolic life of his own beyond these immediate events. And here we see how representation can spill over, forming relationships with larger meaning-making practices in a media system. What does the cop represent or signify? The cop can be seen to signify, that is, his image becomes a metonym, for the excessive use of force against ordinary people, the trampling of democratic rights, the ways in which public space and the right to protest is curtailed. The cop can be reappropriated and made meaningful in other contexts. He can become a signifier, a metonym for larger and transferable ideas. A series of memes emerge that use the cop to skewer how the powerful denigrate rights and culture. If you search on Google Images or Know Your Meme for casually pepper spray everything cop, you'll see the cop pepper spraying Rosa Parks, Bambi, Luke Skywalker, America's forefathers at the Declaration of Independence, Lady Liberty at the French Revolution, and so on. 
memes are part of our popular culture. Here, what we see is the intertextual and relational nature of representation. It is a social process where, to get the joke of any meme, you need to know what combination of texts and signifiers are being brought into play. You need to grow up in a popular culture where you knew the story of Bambi or Star Wars to understand the innocence or cultural significance of people or the event the cop is trying to disrupt with his pepper spray. To get the larger significance of the image where the cop sprays the Declaration of Independence, you need to know what Trumbull's painting depicts and why it is a foundational event in how Americans express and understand their democratic values. These memes are intertextual. We see a range of groups attempting to represent the event and in doing so to set out particular versions of what happened as legitimate. These memes involving the cop matter beyond their circulation in online networks. They have real-world effects too. In making the cop's actions seem particularly excessive, the memes affect the real-world reputation of the university. What we see here is a range of groups attempting to represent the event and in doing so to set out particular versions of what happened as legitimate. The memes live on. They continue to circulate on the internet. In the years following this media event, UC Davis was concerned about the ongoing effects of this event on their image as an institution. Public record requests by journalists revealed in the years following the event the university increased its strategic communications budget by $2.5 million. This included paying consultancies $175,000 to attempt to remove negative images of the pepper spray incident from Google search results and social media platforms using search engine optimization techniques. The university invested serious resources in the ongoing management of representations of this event. Depending on which story or representation you saw, you might make different judgments about whether or not the cop's actions were legitimate, whether or not it was okay for the cop to spray the students. We can also see the powerful using their institutional resources to attempt to control the story. We might say the powerful act strategically. But what the powerful always contend with is those with less power using whatever resources they can get a hold of creatively and tactically. The students are tactical in the sense that they use whatever resources they can get their hands on smartphones, social media accounts, hashtags, memes, and so on, to disrupt the mainstream representation of the event with their own perspectives and point of view. The contest around how to make sense of the cop with his pepper spray illustrates to us the social nature of representation. What we can take from this case is the concept of representation as a social process. Humans use media technologies and institutions to portray events in the world as part of an ongoing effort to exercise, maintain or disrupt relations of power. <laughs>